You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the latest edition of the IoT Leaders podcast with me, your host, Nick Earl, the CEO of IoT company, SI. IoT Leaders is a podcast that attempts to demystify the intriguing, the exciting, but often baffling world of IoT. And this week, I'm delighted to welcome Peter Doggett, who is the Chief Strategy Officer for Armis. And we're going to talk about all things security in the area of IoT. So, Peter, welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Okay. And, and I think we've got some really cool stuff to talk about. The world of security is uh, full of uh, horror stories and opportunities and intrigue. Let me put it, put it that way. But first of all, let's talk about Armis. And Armist is a pretty hot company. I mean, I know that you guys have doubled your valuation in a year. I'm insanely jealous. You're a $2 billion valuation uh, company. Uh, and um, you're a pretty unique security company as well in, in, in what you do, the way you do it. So, so just give the listeners a little overview of Armist before we, before we dive in. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to. And really, this goes back to one of my passions, and that is trying to figure out how we go uh, see and secure every single asset on, on this planet. And fundamentally, that, that's why Armis was created, was to... A fairly modest uh, mission. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was, uh, was try and protect all these new devices. And it's, it, the reason I kind of landed here was, again, it's a passion of mine. It is probably one of the largest cybersecurity problems we will face this decade and probably into next decade as well. It's, it's really centered around um, all these new devices coming onto our networks and fundamentally thinking about their risk to the business and their potential consequences and impact to the business. And we certainly believe that this influx of new devices, these new connected devices, are going to cause and are causing uh, massive operational headaches uh, for almost any business. Yeah, you know, um, uh, for those of us who aren't directly involved in in the security, um, internet security, cybersecurity area on a day-to-day basis, I guess the the time we really, we kind of take it for granted. Uh, We don't think about it, which we'll get onto because that's part of the problem. People don't think about it, except except for the bad guys. But the um, but 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 every now and then you get these incredible public horror stories. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking uh, just recently since since the time when we we spoke about a week ago to prepare for this podcast, and now I mean we've had the the American pipeline uh, 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 example of a, of a pipeline. That's right, pipeline, JBS. We've almost every day now we're seeing attacks. Yeah, and and I guess you're monitor as a company. Do you monitor those attacks? Can you actually see that the momentum is 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 increasing? Yeah, I mean, this this impacts 
almost every single, actually impacts every industry from financial to manufacturing to oil and gas utilities. And we are currently tracking over 1 billion um, IoT devices or, or, or just assets, we call them. And over the course of the next four years, we have seen and extrapolated out through, uh, through our research to we'll likely have about 56 billion devices by 2025 connected. And that's an astonishing amount of devices. That's an astonishing number of potential um, uh, breach points to, uh, to an enterprise. And, and I mentioned at the, um, at the beginning that you do this in a different way. I mean, I know you, you worked for Symantec for uh, many years and you run the, a lot of the partner programs, a lot of the biz dev functions. But, but traditionally, the way, at least which I understand it, we've tried to um, you know, catch this ball that's bouncing down the stairs, if you like, is to try and put some software on a device. I mean, you know, your, your phone has a bit of software in it, you know, your corporate version of your phone, your corporate version of, of your laptop. Armis uh, didn't take that approach, did you? No. And this comes down to a fundamental fact about these devices. And it's also important to understand what's happening. Why are we seeing 56 billion devices coming onto our networks in the first place? Um, yeah, and part of the reason for this is we are seeing this pervasiveness because they are super low cost. Yeah. In the first place, we've got bandwidth galore everywhere. We've got low latency now, obviously, with the work you're doing, Nick, on the cellular side yeah. with uh, millimeter wave technologies. And it's just very, very easy to go and pick up these devices off the shelf hardware, off the shelf software, package it all together. But here's the problem the numbers of permutations out there are vast. And it's impossible to put a security agent, what we call in the business, onto these devices. It's just practically impossible. I think we're tracking on the order of 50 million different permutations of devices out there. So just think about being a software security company, having to design and maintain 50 million different versions of an agent and somehow working with thousands of manufacturers to get that software onto those devices. It, it's just, it doesn't work. It's, a, it's an unsolvable problem. And so, so, it, so I guess, just so our listeners understand, I think what, what you're referring to is you have a certain, you have an increasing number of devices, trackers, but you also have different software on those, on those devices, and they can be all configured differently mm-hmm. as well. That's right. And so the number of permutations, uh, that if you're going to then identify a problem, issue a, pack, a patch, test the patch, distribute the patch, install the patch, the number of permutations that you have to go through is, is, is an exponential problem. And, and you're using a linear, if, if you're trying to put software on it, I guess the way I would describe it is, we're using linear processes. You know, here's a patch for that device. Well, it doesn't work on this device because it's it's different software or it's configured slightly differently. We're using a, a linear uh, a solution essentially to solve an exponential problem. In other words, you can't keep up. No, and the, the the old way of trying to solve for this problem just doesn't work anymore. And 
in fact, it's becoming less, less relevant. You know, the, the ratio of what we call these managed devices, like the laptops we're on right now, Nick, we've, we've pretty much solved for that with um, security agents from people like right. uh, Spike and Windows. And, but they're um, not like IoT devices. They're pretty... No, they're, they're pretty, not. They're tightly coupled hardware and software, as is your phone. But IoT devices are not like that, are they? No, no. And the only way to solve for that is an agentless approach. It's basically uh, looking at the world from a networking perspective. And we can talk more about that a little bit later, but it's um, Armas pioneered this approach about five years ago to take a wholly different approach to security. And that is one of the world we're moving to in security has to be agentless in order to scale. We cannot think of this in the, in the old world. So it has to be cloud and it has to be agents. So let's double click on this because we're now getting down to the hub of, of, um, of, of the approach, which, which, as you say, will ultimately become into the issue of who, who has visibility of the network. But before we get onto that, so you know the ball bouncing down the stairs. You, all the device configurations, the number of devices that are being adopted. You're trying to put a piece of software on. The, the companies just can't do it fast enough. In fact, it's getting to the point where it's getting less and less relevant every day. Point you making. So therefore, the paradigm shift is is agentless. Which basically, in case there's anyone who doesn't know what that means, it means you don't put a piece of software on the end user device. You actually you actually uh, have central control, central policy deployed automatically to everything that's connected without having to put some code in all of those things, that's which right. I guess means that one of the first challenges you've got is identifying all these devices. Is that, is that where, you, where RMS starts? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say a good strategy, a good security strategy always starts with visibility you fundamentally have to understand what's on the network, what's in your domain, and what's entering your network. And it, here's the scary thing. Many organizations around the globe do not understand what's on their network. Yeah, and it's getting worse. I, I'm sure they have no idea. I'm sure you must find customers who you ask them in advance and then you say, well, actually, we'll put like a sniffer on or whatever the technology that you use to identify them. And the two are completely <laughs> different, right? Yeah, there, there are so many occasions where we walk into a client's environment and we just spin up Armist within a few minutes and where the client thinks they've got 150,000 um, assets or IP addresses or whatever on the network. We go, no, you've got 700,000. Wow. And the little light bulb goes off. <laughs> And <laughs> this is, I can imagine a lot of things go up at that point. <laughs> it's quite really. Amazing. I mean, it, they they can be that they can be that that far apart. I mean, I, I, I was a very uh, interesting case, but uh, many are at least double, forty percent more. Yeah, and I mean, it just goes to the point. We've we've let this uh, attrit so much, um, and the technologies have not been employed, and the maturity has not kept up with IT and security at the pace of the innovation of these devices. So you've got this gap forming um, that has become so large, it's opening up this wound for um, cyber attacks. 
And uh, as, as you noted, Nick, earlier, we are seeing uh, countless attacks almost on a daily, weekly basis now, very large ransomware attacks. You know, um, I, I got this picture in my mind as you were speaking, Peter, of, of, of saying someone as your house secure. I said, yeah, yeah, I'd locked all the windows. And you say to them, the doors, you say, well, how many have you got? Well, I've got, you know, 25 windows and four doors. And you say, well, that's kind of interesting because I just walked around your house and you've got 100 windows and nine doors. Have I? I mean, really? <laughs> oh, uh, but actually, it's a little bit worse. Is that is that is that, that there are people adding new windows all the time? Um, so, um, so, so well, you. It's actually worse than that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just to, so there, yeah. there's the, you can you can you can take that analogy one step further. You know, there's there's more windows being added, but there's different variety from different manufacturers of windows. Yes. And the the guys who are making the locks, well, they're not so good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and yes, they're, they're exploitable, and that's what we're seeing is the, the the numbers are growing vastly up, but also the vulnerabilities or the exploits of these devices are increasing. Um, Armis, uh, over the past numbers of years, have, have, have released countless um, vulnerability um, releases. Uh, Urgent Eleven was one we released about a year and a half ago. And this one was was quite staggering. This was just as I was joining the Armus organization. And Urgent 11, basically, for those who don't know, is 11 vulnerabilities in some of the largest operating systems that reside in these IoT devices. And those devices are things like firewalls, medical devices, operational technology sensors, manufacturing equipment, all running these operating systems from... Uh, VxWorks, Nucleus, ThreadX, ZebOS, uh, the, the list goes on. And using the window analogy, it allows the attacker to basically pick that lock within about two seconds and come in. So it's not, not only the number of potential ways to get in, but frankly, the security is very, very poor with these devices. So my understanding is, so you use agentless, so you identify the windows <laughs> um, and the doors, uh, the openings. Uh, you haven't solved the problem yet. You then profile uh, all the devices, so you then build up a sort of database of, of this is what you've got, by the way, by type of device. And then yeah. I think you go into, you look at the network data, and now we're getting into um, uh, the solution that we're coming up to for cellular devices, which is what this is all about. Which is which is cellular, but before we get to that, you actually look at the behavior and the patterns of what's happening on those devices, so you can start to build up profiles of anomaly detection uh, behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. The, uh, this, the this system is not normal. Yeah, exactly. The, the the system works. If you're familiar with um, Tesla and yeah. their self-driving uh, software. Yep. What, yeah. what they're doing is very similar to what we've been doing on the devices. It's, it's really uh, taking vast quantities of data in, understanding what these devices are doing within context of their environment. So we're seeing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of times of a device on a network and understanding how that device is interoperating, how it's communicating. What does it look like? What's the normal behavior in a medical context, in a manufacturing context? Yes, yes. Yeah. And only by getting this, this sort of vast quantity of data in a machine learning, we have both unsupervised and supervised machine learning in the back end, 
can you get to the point at scale where you can, at high efficacy, fingerprint these devices? And as you say, Nick, down to operating system versions, uh, what protocols they're using, what applications they're running, uh, down to if you look at PLCs and the manufacturing lines, we can actually see inside the cards, the modules, and see what messages each module and the commands to those modules. Um, so you can start to gather an amazing richness of data uh, agentlessly in uh, yeah. a very passage. So no human, no human could, could ever do. So, no. so, so, let's, let's, so I get it, right. But as always, the ball keeps bouncing down the stairs and uh, the attackers get smarter and smarter. And there's a whole class of devices that you can't see, right? Uh, you know, as the two companies, Armis and SI, we, we have done a, a joint uh, announcement, uh, a solution, joint security solution. We're going to talk about that in a second here. But cellular connected devices in particular, you, you can't currently uh, have visibility on. You, you, you can't see them. That, that's right, isn't it? Because they're not connected to the enterprise network. They're connected to somebody else's network, the mobile network operators. So that's a problem. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, that the whole nature of Armus is it's passive. We don't actively scan. We, as you noted, we don't have agents. So we have to look at the traffic. We have to inspect on the wire, which is good because you get to the source of truth. But you need to have access to that traffic. Yeah. And you know, to, to your point, on the cellular side, uh, I don't know how many MNOs there are in the world now. Uh, about 820 uh, something, according to the GSMA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you've got lots of MNOs out there, and traffic is being dispersed everywhere across loads of different MNOs. How the heck do you get that data in a cohesive fashion? It's really, you don't have the network connection. You just receive the data, which might have a, a, an attack inside it, but but you don't have, you can't you can't look at the net flow data you can't analyze the, the data so 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 what we've just to um uh help the listeners what we've done we've announced is now that everyone's got a good understanding what armies do uh, as those regular listeners uh, of our podcast will know what we do as si is that we actually um run our own private network and we actually uh, federate the world's mnos uh, together into a private network, APN access, don't use the public internet. We become the single eye of the needle where we manage the connection. We do the billing, we, we do the device management, uh, we do the support, et cetera, et cetera. But basically we are, with a single SIM, we are actually providing um, localization, not just roaming, but localization and roaming across those 820 networks, delivering 99% global connectivity. And so, uh, the, of course, the spark that, that, that caused us to talk was you were saying, well, we've got this um, uh, great business, um, which uh, uh, the financial markets love, uh, not surprisingly, given the problem that you're solving. But, but actually there's a bigger percentage of devices that are invisible to us because the edge is growing faster than the number of co- the devices, laptops, printers, PLCs aren't growing anywhere near the rate of, of IoT devices. And with 5G coming along, I mean, you know, people are talking about 5G is a better version of Wi-Fi. More and more devices are, are going to uh, be cellular connected, which means the percentage of the estate that our can see 
is in danger of declining with our solution because every device, regardless of which MNO is, it's, it's, it is connecting to, every device goes through our network. We're an eye of the needle for all the traffic. And so the, the, uh, the, the uh, collaboration that we've announced is that uh, with an interconnect between an API interconnect between Armist and SI, the Armist functionality is then enabled across cellular networks. And that was the genesis, wasn't it, of why this would be a good idea. We enabled you to see cellular connected devices across any MO. It would be good for your business and it would be good for us because what we're saying is this is the value of having a private network, not sending stuff over the internet, which we talk about the uh, MNOs, but a lot of MVNOs say, oh, we solve this problem, we aggregate it, but they solve it by, by actually sending data over the internet. It's not a, they're not managing the network, whereas we run a private network. Therefore, we can give you that NetFlow information. And so, therefore, um, you can actually run Armis on all the devices that you talked about, plus the devices that are cellular connected through MNOs. And that's the, the genesis of the cooperation, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I, I love this combination. And for the very first time, an enterprise can now see all their assets, be it if they're on the corporate network, the devices at home, in the cloud, on Wi-Fi, and now cellular. So going back to our earlier statements, it's all about visibility. It's all about the assets. Where are the assets? Am I getting to a single source of truth of understanding where my assets are and what they're doing. And this combination allows us to go do that and clean up the age-old problem of uh, cleaning up the CMDBs, the configuration management databases, which power, frankly, operations of any, any, any big company. And I, I love what you guys are doing because it's, it's providing very secure connectivity reliably. And now we're overlaying the sort of asset visibility and security of the devices. And it allows, I think it allows businesses to innovate as well. Because at the end of the day, this is what it's all about is, you know, you can go to one of these energy companies, Exxon or BP or Shell, rolling out these EV chargers. And now we can have secure, reliable connectivity constantly and know what's going on with every single EV charger in their estate and map it back to, their management systems and other systems in their in their own estate. So it, it really, it, it truly is an industry first. And so excited about what this business can go and do now with this yeah. now reliable and secure connectivity. We're just about to release a, a bit of market research in the next few weeks. Um, my marketing manager will kill me for uh, saying this, but I'll pre-announce it because I can. <laughs> market <laughs> research about what are the inhibitors, you know, the famous 50 billion things are going to connect it. We talked about it a lot in these podcasts. You know, we only got to 11 billion things by 2020, not 50 billion. What were the inhibitors? And there's a ton of them. But number one of every list is security. And so we've been, for us, we've been saying, well, that's why, you know, you need a, a, a APN-based access, encrypted tunnels, private, don't use the internet, uh, you know, the whole SIM uh, a secure, a security um, certificate being stored inside the SIM. But actually, what this adds is that is that you then can have central policy definition with automatic deployment to the edge, because what you do is is bring the policy, and the policy can then be dynamically applied to cellular enabled, cellular connected devices. Now that if you're a CISO, 
uh, a chief information security officer says, well, I'll let these devices be connected to my network, but I damn well need to be sure that my policy, you talk about the configuration management, you know, it could be a configuration policy, compliance policy, uh, which uh, IP addresses, DNS uh, addresses can they access. That my policy I want to define centrally and have auto deployed to the edge. But if you can actually define central policy and have it apply to everything that's connected to your network and things that are sending you data that aren't directly connected to your network, mm-hmm. then from the CISO point of view, you start saying, okay, then in which case I'll trust the system because people lose their jobs. They don't just lose their jobs. They, the, the company, companies can go out of business. I mean, it's pretty quickly, as we know, from some of these security hacks that we're seeing. So that's the basic premise, and we're going to be rolling that out um, uh, with pilots and things. Uh, and of course, anyone who's listening, they, they, um, they know which companies they can contact. But I wanted to just uh, pivot now uh, and just uh, uh, talk about the, uh, the, the, uh, the bad actors, the bad guys. Uh, because so far, what we've been doing is talking about what the good guys are, uh, are doing. But the bad guys um, never sleep, it seems. And um, it seems to me, Peter, that when you hear about really sophisticated uh, security hacks, you think, wow, that was really, really clever. But in the area, and they, boy, they really are, 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 have a lot of knowledge to be able to get into that system. But actually, in the world of IoT, it seems like, you know, it's not just the number of windows. It seems like we have an active policy of flinging the windows open and almost inviting people in because these devices, they're not secure to begin with. I mean, they're really very unsecure, aren't they? It really is. I mean, the, we are seeing literally people pick up these devices which have default passwords built into them. Or backdoors. Yeah. And you may think, oh, no, no, that doesn't happen. Oh, no, it does. And it's happening at an alarming rate because it's not at the forefront of people's minds. As they are designing these, these devices, they're at the end of the supply chain. So they're picking up hardware components that have been developed by another manufacturer. Yeah, they're in a rush to get it out. From, yeah. Yeah, from chip manufacturers way back when. And you can get the really simple attacks going, okay, we're going to try the easy vulnerabilities, the remote uh, code exploits. And, and we know there's many, many vulnerabilities out there still. Uh, the Urgent 11 I spoke about, that was a year and a half ago. Guess how many of those devices have been patched? Not many. 3%. Wow. Of the 2 billion devices- After a year and a half. After a year and a half, only 3% have been patched. And- it, it's, it really infuriates me in a way because we're not taking this seriously enough. And it's going to take another colonial attack. It's going to take another Irish hospital attack or a JBS or you name it in the past couple of weeks. And we need to have a wake-up call. And we need to get better to put our suppliers and ourselves more accountable for designing these devices more securely in the first place. Only then... It, we're going to get to a better place. Um, but, but we've been trying to do this now for how many decades? <laughs> and it's... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, we, we, uh, for those of us who've been around a, a little while, I'll hold my hand up. We have been saying this, but it, the problem just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger with the explosion of the endpoints in the network. We just, 
it's, a, it, I mean, the kind of weird thing is if we think the problem's hard now, and it is compared way harder than it was three years ago, which was way harder than five years ago. But in three years' time, I mean, you know, being a dedicated IoT company with 2,000 customers around, around the globe, several million devices in the management, I mean, I, we say to customers, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, we, uh, you know, you got the 11 billion, 50 billion stuff that I quoted, but there's this thing called massive IoT coming and, and, and 5G. Uh, you know, massive, it's expanding in two different ways. There's, there's going to be sensors that use some form of cellular uh, connectivity that are going to be disposable. Uh, they're going to be disposable. You can print the circuit, print the battery. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be tracking on boxes, clothing, eventually, I don't know, wrapper of a, a chocolate or something. But, 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 you know, I have already had a big conversation today with, with a company that's looking at uh, doing private, you know, 5G networks where you're talking about, you know, tens of millions of things in a campus or in a large factory. So in other words, the numbers, the, the, the rate of adoption is accelerating. It's not linear. Back to the exponential linear. And so even though at the very least, you can't put, if you said, what are the lessons from this? You know, A, you can never, um, you never know what, if, if I was somewhere, you, nobody has a clue what, what's connected to their network, is what you've said. Yep. Secondly, you can't, even if you did have a clue, you can't put a piece of software on them because it's really old operating systems and it's, it's, um, there's too many derivatives. It's just an engine. There's not enough money in the world to solve that engineering problem because of all the, all the permutations. So you can't put software. So, so see, you need to use an agentless technique, which is what Armis is all about. And you're the world leaders, uh, in that D even then there's a whole bunch of devices that you can't see. Therefore you've got to be able to see the devices that are, are really growing exponentially, which are the cellular connected devices which is why you need to go through something like SI, which is the eye of the needle through which all the network traffic flows for all of those devices, regardless of the MNO. But then what we're saying to, in, in, as we get towards the end of the podcast is that, but even that's not enough because ultimately it, it, it's just growing so fast that actually it's almost like we need to do something else that's not tech, just technology. It's almost like we need to raise awareness right the way back to the start of the supply chain because it seems like we're, we're, we're constantly, you know, it's like the argument on the, on the National Health Service is that, you know, you, no matter how much money you throw at the NHS, there's never enough. <laughs> but actually, if you diverted some of it into disease prevention, from an ROI point of view, it, it's yeah. money, money better spent. But, you know, the disease prevention is almost like thinking about how devices are made by people who have no consequences of it because they just make devices and, and sell them. And actually building security in and security considerations much more upfront than it seems to be that we're doing right now because we're building these, these uh, the houses, if you like, with the windows open. Um, it's yeah. not like people are thinking about that they have to do it. No one is really set, selling the fact that their devices can't be hacked. Uh, it's not the way we're selling things right now. 
Yeah, the, there is a slight silver lining. So I do want to end on a slight positive note here. <laughs> it's not all bad. Um, you know, look, we, we, we do have the tools to help, at least, now. But also, I, I think what we need to do is change organizationally how we think about this problem. You started to mention this. You know, the, the IT teams, the security teams have been moving slow together. They've really got to collaborate now. They've also got to extend their collaboration to the operational teams too, on the ground of the, of the manufacturing centers and bring them into the fold. And they've got to work with that R&D and suppliers as well, going as far back as possible to fundamentally understand what the risks coming into the organization are. And the good news is that there are models out there. There's the NEST model, there's the CMMC model. That's being more adopted now. And I know things like the federal government here in the US is pushing all the suppliers to get to, you know, you must be level three of this maturity model to do business. So we're moving in the right direction. Are we moving quick enough? Oh, no. Uh, but we certainly need to solve organizationally how we think about the problem. We need to enhance our maturity of how we think about cybersecurity. And I think... Uh, fundamentally, we need to take, I think, the human out of the loop. So going back to as we engineer these problems, as we engineer the hardware and software, particularly the software elements, we're always going to, because we're flawed as humans, we're always going to uh, put in vulnerabilities and exploits. Into the yes. So if we can, and it's called shift left in the, in the world of you know, IT here, but if we can shift left and start to remove some of the human elements of doing bad things in the first place, to your analogy about prevention on the healthcare front, we can get to a better place. Uh, And there are lots of companies focusing on that part of it as well. DevOps, DevSecOps, call it what you will. It'd be great if we can build a machine that builds these machines that gets to the point where that machine is so clever, it doesn't have any exploits in there. But then yeah, you yeah. start to get into the uh, the big AI world of, okay, the overlords are going to take over. <laughs> we will lose control. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big old problem. But in, the, but in the meantime, what we're talking about here is such a order of magnitude improvement on, on what we're doing. Because essentially what we're doing is we're using software techniques to recognize patterns uh, of usage and normal behavior and identify anomalies across millions and tens of millions of devices, almost real time, yep. and devices that are connected to somebody else's network, but ultimately they find a way of sending data to you. That in itself is mind-blowing compared to what, you know, when you were in Symantec or when I was in, in Cisco, if somebody had said you'd be able to do this one day in the near future, we'd have said, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it, it, just being able to do what you've described is mind-blowing compared to how we previously tried uh, to solve these problems. That's right. It's night and day. And then the CIOs we speak to and the CSOs we speak to, what wants to understand what this can do and be a single source of truth for them and help them see everything, uh, the, the shoulders start to drop. And <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's a huge I, I can relief. sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Peter, that we, we'd probably leave it there on that high note um, and uh, wanted to uh, just thank you. I, I would add that, that also for those people who do listen to this podcast who are 
often in many cases, and we do get the messages considering they're in the early stages of IoT projects. I think there's another lesson here, which is that you can add security and, and a peace of mind in terms of secret, central security policy deployed cellular IoT devices at the edge to one of your checklists of things that you can look at, which will probably mean that your project is likely to get approved because a lot of projects don't get approved because they get blocked for security concerns. So I think we've also uh, made uh, IoT adoption um, uh, uh, to be uh, at least taken away one of the barriers or one of the main um, pushbacks that we get on projects, which is, no, it's not secure. I know this is a business outcome, but it's not secure, so I'm not going to do it. So I think that's a big improvement as well. So we'll leave it there. One last question to you, uh, though. If, if uh, anybody listening to this wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to uh, perhaps send you a message or ask you a question? Maybe uh, is it LinkedIn or what's the best way they can um, You can certainly look at me on LinkedIn, uh, Peter Doggett, and you can find me. I am the only Peter Doggett in cyber, so that's easy. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's D-O-G-G-A-R-T. That's right, yeah. 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 Feel free to okay, me. great. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you again for your time. Very, very interesting. We haven't done a deep dive on security before, so that was uh, really, really good. I, I suspect that in a year's time, we could probably repeat this and do a, a retrospective look back at some real case studies and stories, and, that, and then that would be really interesting to see what people are doing with this. So that's probably one of the goals of our alliance. But in the meantime, uh, thank you to you, the listeners, for uh, listening. Um, this was, the, uh, as you know, the IoT Leaders um, podcast. And if you uh, want to send any feedback, you can send it to me, Nick Earl, on, on LinkedIn, or uh, an email to iotleaders at si, that's E-S-E, Y-E dot com. In the meantime, uh, thanks again. Um, look forward to uh, the next podcast. And uh, as I say, maybe an update on this very exciting area where we, should, we know there's a lot more to come um, uh, in, in a few months' time uh, as this solutions, a very exciting solution starts rolling out in the marketplace. In the meantime, thanks again, Peter. Thanks to you, the listeners, for listening. And this was the IoT Leaders Podcast. Thanks very much and take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at SI.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.